You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Amen. They did so good. Um, so, you know, as I was praying for you guys this morning and what I was going to speak on, you know, I just kept hearing reviving hope, just reviving hope, reviving hope. And so that word revive means to bring that which is dead back to life. And it also means to give new strength or new energy to. And I just sense that for some of you, you know, due to trials, due to difficulties, due to setbacks, disappointments in life, your hope has become weakened. But I believe that God is wanting to revive hope in your life so that you could be strengthened to believe again, amen, and see his good plans unfold. So in Romans 13, 15, I'm going to open up with this verse, and it says, now, not tomorrow, not when everything is going right in your life, but now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is the scripture saying? The scripture saying is that God is the God of hope and it's his will and his desire that we be a people that are full to overflowing with hope in every area of our life. Now, biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not daydreaming. You know, it's knocking on wood or crossing your fingers. You know, oh, I, I hope that will happen. You know, biblical hope is the joyful, confident expectation that God is who he says that he is and that God will do what he said he will do. When you are full with hope, you can look forward to your future, not with dread, not with anxiety, not with fear, but with joy and with anticipation of good and for good. Why? Because we believe that God is faithful. We believe that God is for us. We believe that God can help us, right? So God, it's God's desire that we be people full of hope. Now, if we lose our capacity to hope, what happens? You know, we shut ourselves off from the good things that God is actually wanting to bring forth in and through our lives. You know, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we cannot effectively live a life of faith, a life that is pleasing God, a life that is experiencing his faithfulness if we are not first in hope. Hope is absolutely essential for the believer. Amen? Absolutely essential. Now, one thing that can weaken and hinder our capacity to hope is disappointment. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you guys about dealing with disappointment. So what is disappointment? Disappointment is sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. In other words, you are hoping, you are expecting something to happen and it doesn't happen. Disappointment, right? How many, how many of you in here can say you've been disappointed, right? We have all been disappointed, right? All of us have been disappointed, you know, whether it's you're praying for healing, right? And it hasn't happened yet, you know, or pray, you're praying for someone to get healed. They don't get healed, you know, whether someone you really, you know, you love hurts you, someone that you trust betrays you, right? You don't get the job promotion that you've been anticipating. Your business isn't growing the way that you expected it to. You know, maybe you're disappointed in yourself, right? You're not where you thought that you should be by now in life. You know, maybe you're disappointed in your spouse. Husbands, don't look, don't look at your wife right now, <laughs> right? They didn't meet your expectations. Wife, don't look, don't look at your husband, right? <clears throat> you know, maybe you're disappointed in, you know, your children or your child, you know, your sweet, precious little babe that you have invested, your, your heart, your time, your love, your affection, your sweat, your tears, your prayers, only to see them grow up and make poor choices, right? Maybe you're disappointed in God. 
You know, you've been standing, you have been believing, praying for something specific, and it just is not happening, you know, or maybe, you know, it didn't happen at all, and the opposite happened, right? We've all experienced disappointments. Disappointments can be very hard, very painful to walk through. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope delayed makes the heart sick. So in other words, when things don't happen when, where, and how you were expecting them to, what happens, your heart can become sick. What is your heart? Your heart is the core of who you are. It is what makes up your belief system. When your heart is sick, it will affect your spirit, your soul, and your body. I want you to think of when you are physically sick. What happens when you're physically sick, right? You lose your appetite, right? You don't really want to eat that much, you know. When you're physically sick, you lose your energy, right? You just want to sit on the couch all day, binge watch movies. Ladies, binge watching the Hallmark Channel. Tis the season, right? (laughs) You know, when you're physically sick, you know, you lose your strength, You guys ever tried working out when you're sick? You know, it doesn't last, you don't last very long, right? When you're, when you're physically sick, you isolate from people. You stay in your house, you stay away from people, right? It's the same in the spirit. When your, when your spirit, when your heart is sick, what happens is you lose your appetite for the things of God. You lose your appetite for his presence, your appetite for his word. When your spirit is sick, you lose your energy, right? You lose your energy, your capacity to pray. You know, you used to pray for a while. Now you could pray maybe like 10 seconds and then you're out cold sleeping, right? (laughs) When your heart is sick, what happens is you lose your strength. You lose your strength to believe to believe God. You know, you can be coming to church, you know, you're singing the praise and worship songs along with Emily and the team that they do so beautifully. You're clapping your hands. Yes. Amen. You know, you're listening to the sermon, but there is no faith in your heart due to the disappointments that you've experienced. There's no faith, right? So you're just going through the motions of religion, doing what you know to do. Your life is void of the presence and the power of God. And let me tell you, my friends, that is not where God wants you to be. You know, when your spirit is sick, what happens? You isolate from God. You don't want to come to church. You isolate, you remove yourself from the very people that God has placed in your life to actually help you, to walk with you, to support you through the season. Amen? I like to say that disappointments, they're like a spiritual cancer. You know, they will, they will fester, they will grow, they will build up the more you don't deal with it. And what happens, it will spread and it will take you out spiritually. If, I want everyone to say if, if you don't deal with it when it comes. And let me tell you on this Fine, warm Sunday morning, just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, right? Disappointments will come. They will come. I guarantee you, if you're not disappointed today, you will be very soon. Not because of this sermon, though. How do I know that you're going to be disappointed? John 16, Jesus himself says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. In other words, hey, guess what? Yes, you will have many disappointments. Disappointments are not a probability in life. They are a promise from the Lord himself. How many of you know Jesus himself experienced a tremendous amount of disappointment? You know, he was betrayed, he was rejected, not just by people that he didn't know, but by his own family, by his own friends. He experienced a tremendous amount of disappointment. And if he experienced a tremendous amount of disappointment, how much more will we? 
right? How much more will we? But what does Jesus go on to say? He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now that word take heart, it means to be courageous. What is courage? Courage is the capacity to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward forward in spite of what is going on around and about you, in spite of what it is that you are feeling. He's saying, keep believing, keep trusting, keep expecting, keep obeying. Why? Because we choose to believe that God is greater than our disappointments, that he is faithful and he is just to lead us through and into the good plans that he has for us right? God has good plans for us, but God gives you the choice of how you are going to respond to disappointment. He can't make that choice for you. I can't make that choice for you. You have to make that choice yourself. So he's saying we can choose to move forward in faith in our disappointment, or we can choose to shrink back in unbelief and doubt. In Hebrews 1038 says the righteous will live by faith. God takes no delight in those who shrink back. So it can be easy to shrink back in our disappointment. How do we shrink back? We shrink back by making the decision, I'm not going to trust God again. We shrink back in making the decision, I'm not going to trust people again. And I just sense that there are many of you in here, that there has been areas in your life where you have been expecting from God But there's just an immense level of doubt, an immense level of unbelief because you have made the decision, I'm going to shrink back. I thought I heard God. I thought he was supposed to do this, but he didn't. I'm going to shrink back. And when we shrink back, what do we do? We close our hearts from from expecting, from hoping, from believing again out of fear of being disappointed. So you shut your heart But what is God's heart? What is his desire? That we would be a people that would move forward in faith. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he has a a good future for you, a future filled with hope, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, a future filled with purpose that is meant to impact people for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen? He said, that cannot happen. Listen, if you make the decision to shrink back, What pleases him is that you make the decision, I'm going to move forward. So this morning, I'm going to take you through a story in Luke 24, verse 13 through 38. Now, in this story, it talks about two of Jesus' disciples who were overcome with disappointment. You know, they were expecting Jesus to be the Messiah. They were expecting Jesus to redeem Israel. They were not expecting him to be crucified. They were not expecting him to die. So when things did not go the way they were expecting, they became overcome with disappointment. Now, it's important that you understand that when Jesus died, their hope died. When Jesus died, their dreams died. When Jesus died, their expectations died. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. What they were hoping so desperately for died. It died. And and they became overcome with disappointment, overcome with immense grief, sorrow, and hopelessness. So this morning, based on their reaction to disappointment, I'm going to take you through the reactions that we can have when we experience disappointment how Jesus responds to his disciples in their disappointment and how we can respond to Jesus and our disappointment so it can be dealt with effectively so we can move forward, amen? Now, like I said earlier, first service, now is not the time, you know, to tune out, think about what you're gonna be eating on Thanksgiving, you know, all the the stuff that you still need to buy to prepare, what you're going to have for lunch after service today. You know, now is the time to engage your heart and expect that God is going to highlight specific things to you. God is going to speak to you this morning because I am believing so strongly. God is wanting to bring a divine shift in your life so that hope can be revived again. Amen? 
Now in Luke 24, this is after Jesus' resurrection or time after that. It says, verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Verse 19, what things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. There it is. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early in the morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets or all the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28, by this time they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey and Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them as they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem where they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Amen. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you some of the reactions that these disciples had to disappointment that we can also have to disappointment. What's one of the first reactions to disappointment that people tend to have is you'll draw away from God where he's called you and what he's calling you to do. You know, we see with these disciples, they were called to be in Jerusalem. They were meant to be in Jerusalem, but what did they do? They start traveling to Emmaus, which is seven miles away from Jerusalem. So in their disappointment, they left the very place that God was calling them to be. You know, I see this often in the church you know, people come to church and they're like, yes, God has called me here. Freedom House, this is my church, you know? But then what happens? You get offended, right? Someone doesn't treat you the way that you were expecting to be treated. So rather than making the decision to forgive, right, to mature, to learn how to love like Jesus, rather than making the decision, okay, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to love them, I'm going to grow, I'm going to mature. What do you do? You leave the very place that God is calling you. You know, the Bible says those who are planted in the house will flourish. Now that word flourish is likened to a flower bud that blossoms, Flourishing is liking to breaking out, breaking forth, breaking past the barriers, the hindrances that are keeping you from actually becoming who you're meant to be. So when you leave the church, when you leave the place that God is actually calling you to, when you jump ship and you go from church to church to church, your root system becomes weak and you don't have the capacity to be able to effectively grow and to become the person that God has intended you to. So you draw back. Maybe God has spoken to you. Maybe God has given you a specific word, a specific promise. 
You know, you, you feel like I've been praying, I've been standing for so long. I just don't think it's going to come to pass, so I'm just going to do something else. You draw back. You draw back, right? You draw, what else do they do? The second thing is you'll draw back to a place of comfort. Now we see this with the disciples. You know, it says that they begin traveling to a place called Emmaus. What is Emmaus? Emmaus literally means warm springs. Warm springs. It sounds cozy, right? Warm springs. So Emmaus signifies a place of comfort. So rather than drawing near to the God of all comfort in their disappointment, they start traveling to a place of comfort. You know, it is very important that you all know, that we all know, you know, what is your place of comfort that you go to when you're disappointed? What's your place of comfort that you go to when you are sad, when you are hurting? What is the place that you go to? You know, for some of you, it's Netflix and chilling, right? For some of you, it's, you know, eating, going to your favorite restaurant, P.F. Chang's. I don't even know what, what that is, but I've heard of it a few times, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know, eating your Ben and Jerry's, right? For some of you, it's going to the bars, you know, I'm just going to drink, you know, I'm going to go to the bars, or for some of you, it's, 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 it's being drawing to a relationship that you know is no good for you, right? You know, for some of you, it's your workplace. If I just work, if I just work, if I just focus so hard on what I want to accomplish and what I want to do, if I just work, work, then I don't have to think about the disappointment. I don't have to think about the pain. I don't have to think about any of those things. I'm just going to indulge myself in what makes me comfortable so I don't have to deal with it, right? Whatever your place of comfort is, maybe it's isolation, right? I'm just going to hang out with like these two people that make me feel comfortable. I'm not going to spend time with all of those other people out of fear of being, being disappointed again, right? We all have our place of comfort and it is absolutely important that you know what your place of comfort is because I guarantee you the devil already knows and he is going to use that to his advantage to keep you in a place of despair, keep you in a place of despondency so that you will not move forward in what it is that God is calling you to do. So recognize what is your place of comfort? What is your place of comfort? What else can we do? When we react to disappointment, you draw away from godly relationships and connect with others who are also hurt and disappointed. What do we see with, the, with these two disciples? What did they do? They're disappointed, right? And then they start walking with each other to a place that God never intended them to be. You know, how often... <laughs> You know, how often when we are feeling hurt, when we are feeling disappointed, you know, we're not going to call, you know, that one person who we know is going to speak the truth to us. What do we do, right? We call that one person who we know is going to agree with how we're feeling. They're going to listen to us, you know, they're going to tell us what I want to hear, you know, they're going to stroke your soul, make you feel good about yourself, validate your pain, validate your heart. Yes, I hear you, you know, and you're like, yeah, Jamie, well, yeah, they're encouraging. They're very encouraging. That's why I call them because they're so encouraging. Well, let me affirm you this morning. <laughs> First service already knows. Let me affirm you this morning. They are very, very encouraging you. You know, they're very encouraging. They are encouraging you in your dysfunction. They are encouraging you in your pain. They are encouraging you in your victimhood. They are encouraging you in your dysfunction. Yes, they are encouraging you all right. But are they encouraging you the right way? Are they encouraging you God's way? Right? It is always to our advantage. Listen, when you are feeling disappointed, when you are feeling hurt, when you are feeling down, to call the people that you know will speak the truth in love. 
Why is it so important? Because the Bible says that it is the truth that we hear. It is the truth that we know, that we receive, that has the power to set us free. It has the power to bring healing. It has the power to bring restoration. It has the power to bring transformation in your life so that you can get out of your soul, get out of your feelings, and learn how to actually walk in the spirit and walk in what God is calling you to do. And let me tell you, that is the best place to be. You think soaking in your soul, in your pain, in your feelings is going to make you feel any better? Let me tell you, no, it is not. I would much rather have someone speak a word of truth to me that is going to hurt for a moment than hurt for an entire lifetime. It is always to your advantage that you surround yourself with people, not twice a month, you know, okay, I'm going to go to Connect Group, sure, I'll surround myself, you know, for a Connect Group. No, you surround yourself with people on the daily, on the, yes, doing life together, that you surround yourself with people that are going to speak the truth to you in love, that are going to support you, that are going to help you actually walk in faith and do what God is calling you to do. That's you have to take the responsibility to take initiative. I'm going to spend time. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, let's talk. You know, that, that is, you need to take the initiative for that. And I hope that you will. Another reaction to disappointment. You'll speak out of disappointment. You know, when people are disappointed, what do they do? They are so negative, right? They're so negative. You'll blame You know, you blame people, you blame your circumstances for why you are the way that you are, you know, and one of the first, first things that people do when they are disappointed, what do they do? They complain, (laughs) right? You complain, you know, what you, you go to the store, you just want to buy one thing, you know? One thing, this is me right here. You just want to buy one thing. I just want to buy some Ben and Jerry's. You know, and there's a fat line all the way to the back. Just like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I just, just want that one thing, you know? Maybe you came here this morning and you're like, oh my gosh, Jamie's preaching today? What? Oh, and the pastors are, where's Pastor Robert? He brings the fire, right? Where's Pastor Robert? Where's Pastor Wendy? Oh, the prophetic guy. Well, where's Pastor Wendy? You know, they didn't even bother to tell us they're not going to be here today. And Jay- <gasps> Jamie's preaching. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Okay, I'll just pretend like I'm listening, you know. Oh, what am I eating for lunch today? You know, you complain. You complain, you know, we complain about work, complain about your boss, complain about your coworkers, complain about how you're feeling. Oh, I complain, oh, I'm, you complain, complain, you complain, you complain, you complain, you complain. Oh my gosh, these seats, right? They need more cushion, right? You complain, complain, complain. You want to know what kept the Israelites from entering into the promised land that God had for them. What did they do? They were complaining. They were complaining. They were so focused, so focused on what, you know, they, what they thought they didn't have, so focused on what they perceived was all wrong, right? They were so focused on that they missed seeing the God that was with them, the God that was providing, able, ready, willing to provide every need that they had. They missed seeing the God that was leading them into the good land that he had for them. The very thing that they were complaining about became their portion. Let me remind you today, complaining will never ever lead you into anything good, ever. It will lead you into more stress, more anxiety, more fear. You know, I get complaining. I promise you this. It will always lead you out of the presence of God. 
It will always lead you out of his purpose for your life. And it will always lead you out of his promise that he has for you. You know, I'm reminded (laughs) of Joshua and Caleb and the other spies. You know, God told Moses, hey, this is the land that I'm giving y'all. You know, go send 12 spies, go scout it out, check it out, come back, tell us what you hear or what you see. You know, so that they come back, 10 out of the 12, you know, they're like, oh, the land is great. Yes. Oh my gosh, the grapes are huge. Oh, if you could just see it, you guys, it is amazing. But, oh, but, there are giants in the land. They're going to kill us. We are like grasshoppers. It's impossible. It is impossible. Oh, the giants. Oh my gosh, the giants. Oh, the giants are not supposed to be there. That's not how it's supposed to look. That's not how the plan is supposed to work out, God. There's not supposed to be giants. The land is supposed to be just good. They're complaining. And Joshua and Caleb, what does Caleb do? He comes back, right? And he's like, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. You know, this is for me. What we need to do before we're tempted to complain, just shut your mouth. Oh, just shut your mouth. Shut it, right? Uh, shh, everyone, just shh, right? Shh. Do it to yourself, though, you know, not to the person. <laughs> not to the person sitting next to you, amen? <laughs> Woo! You're going to get slapped, right? <laughs> Don't want to get slapped on a Sunday morning in church, so... Just uh, shh, shut your mouth, right? I'm speaking to myself too. Just uh, shut, uh, shut, shut, <laughs> shut your mouth. Just shut it. Just shut it. Just shut it. Okay. Just shut your mouth when you're tempted to complain. You know. So I was saying, first service. I hope if you leave with anything today, <laughs> right? Just you know, if you're walking, you start complaining. Your arms just gonna go up. Ush, ush. Just going to shut it. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. There's power in your confession. You know? The ten spies, they said, but there's giants. You know? But Joshua and Caleb said, but God. But God is with us. But God is for us. But God is going to lead us to conquer and to possess the land that he has for us. Let your butt work for you. Not against you, amen? So just All right, now I want to highlight how Jesus addresses his disciples' disappointment. What does he do? He draws near. Now the disciples, they don't recognize, they can't discern that this is Jesus walking with them. You know, that it's always encouraging, it always encouraged me that when we are, in, when we are disappointed, right? When we're feeling hopeless, when we feel like we cannot see God, cannot hear him, he is right there in your midst. He is with you. The Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He is with you. What else does he do? He listens. He's listening. He listens to the sorrow. He listens to the hurt. He listens to the disappointment. You know, God doesn't, you know, rebuke them, for their lack of faith. He doesn't rebuke them for their disappointment. Oh, you should just believe. Just believe. You should just be declaring right now. You know? What does he do? He listens. Why? Because he cares about what is going on in your heart. Isn't that amazing? God cares about what it is that you're going through, what it is that's going on in your heart. The Bible says that we are to pour out our heart to God. Don't stuff your feelings but pour out your heart. He wants to know what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're going through. And then it goes on to say, he, uh, or point number three, sorry. He asks them questions to draw out their belief system. Now, <clears throat> this is something that always amazed me in this story is that scripture says that God intentionally keeps his disciples from recognizing him. Intentionally. 
You know, I would think that, you know, this is sweet Jesus, you know, he sees his disciples, they're sad, they're full of sorrow. You know, I would think like, oh, okay, he's just going to reveal himself like, hey, I'm here, promise fulfilled, you know, here I am. You don't need to be sad, smile, be happy, you know, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't, right? he intentionally keeps them from recognizing him. Why does he do that? I believe it's because God cares more about what is in your heart, addressing what's in your heart than just fixing how you feel. Why? Because what you believe, what's in your heart, it's going to affect what you believe. It's going to affect how you think. It's going to affect what you do. It's going to affect how you react or respond to life circumstances. So he wants to address what is in your heart. What do you actually believe? You know, a lot of the times I believe that God will allow us to actually go through things so that what's in our heart can actually come to the surface, can come to the surface, not so that he can see it. Come on, he already knows that it's there, but so that you can see, oh, dang, that's what I am believing about God. Oh, that's what I'm believing about myself. Oh, that's what I'm believing about my circumstances. Oh, that's what I'm believing about other people. He wants you to see what do you actually believe? Do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe the word that he has spoken to you? What do you believe? He wants those things to come to the surface. Why? So that we can bring them to him so that he can address it and bring an adjustment with his word so that we're not overcome by our circumstances, but we can actually overcome them and walk through them with peace, with authority, right? Not trying to control everything, wasting your energy, wasting your time, trying to make something happen when God's like, hey, I actually have a truth for you that I want you to rest in. So you don't have to work it out. You can just rest and walk in it. And it'll work itself out. <clears throat> now, what else does he do? He, I'm changing this one. So it says he speaks to their belief system. He speaks to their belief system. What does he say? He says, you foolish people, slow of heart to believe. Now, that word foolish does not imply, you know, you idiot right? In an angry and contempt sort of way. That word foolish implies someone who is dull in their perception. Someone who's dull in their perception. So these disciples, they knew what the scripture said about the Messiah, but they failed to apply its application to Christ. Why? Because they elevated their desires, their hopes, their expectations above what the word said. You know, we all have our perception of how, think, how we think God needs to move in our life, of how the answer is meant to be fulfilled, when it's meant to be fulfilled, how it's meant to come to pass. You know, we have our agenda, our to-do list. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And God, this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to do it, right? We have our plan, we have our perception of what God needs to do in our life, and it usually revolves around us just feeling good, right? These disciples, you know, they were expecting that Jesus was going to redeem Israel, but what was God's plan? His plan was that he would not just redeem Israel, but that he would redeem the whole world, his plan, these disciples, they were expecting that Jesus was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire. But what was God's plan? His plan all along was that he was going to redeem the whole world from the power of sin so that we could be set free, not just from an empire, but from the demonic spirits that have tried to ensnare us and keep us back in bondage. He wanted to set us free and empower with us with his spirit so we could establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you guys know God's plans are always greater than our plans? His ways are always ways greater than our ways when we cannot comprehend it, when we do not understand it. We need to trust and to believe that his plans are always greater. They are always better. They are always working out for our good and for his glory. It is always to your advantage that you posture your heart to hear what he is saying 
you know? I believe God is calling us to elevate our perception that we're not filtering our lives and everything through a selfish motivation, but through an eternal perspective. God, what are you doing? God, what are you speaking? How can I cooperate with you, God, so that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How many? His will is always better. It always produces something better, right? Always. That is a promise. Always. What's the last thing that he does? He brings them back to the word and what the scriptures say regarding himself. The best place to be when you are experiencing disappointment, hopelessness, sorrow is the word. Why? Because his word is our hope. His word is our hope. His word will give strength to the weary. His word will bring peace to the anxious mind. His word will bring illumination in the darkness. His word is our hope. We need to value his word. Now, the story goes on to say that Jesus acts as if he's going to keep on going. So he's walking with his disciples, and there's a fork in the road. He's acting like he's going to keep on going. What's he doing? He's looking to see how are they going to respond? How are they going to respond in their disappointment? Are they going to decide to move forward in faith, or are they going to continue to shrink back in their disappointment? What are they going to do? And I love the disciples' response. It says, they begged him to stay with them at their place. Now that word beg in Greek, it means to compel by force, to urge, to constrain, to prevail. So these disciples, again, they didn't, they couldn't realize, they didn't realize that this was Jesus walking with them, but they sensed his presence. They sensed his presence and they put a demand on his presence in that moment that changed the trajectory of their life because they decided, I'm going to put a demand on his presence. And I believe that God is looking at you all today and he's looking to see how are you going to respond and your disappointment? Are you going to continue to shrink back in doubt, continue to shrink back and unbelief, or are you going to make the decision to move forward in faith? And my hope and my prayer has been for you that you will move forward in faith. So lastly, I'm going to highlight how can we respond to Jesus in the midst of disappointment so it can be dealt with and so that we can move forward. First, draw near to God, not away from him. Draw near to him, not away from him. The Bible says that God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. You know, one of the best ways that we can draw near to him, <clears throat> sorry, is in prayer and worship. You know, there was a time in my life that I experienced a tremendous amount of grief, a tremendous amount of pain. It was years ago. I, I was the first year that I decided, you know, to do the internship here at the church. You know, I knew God was calling me to do it. So by faith, you know, I joined. But, you know, someone that I really loved, someone that I trusted, you know, really hurt me and my family. And it was just, it just took me out emotionally. You know, I was so ready just to quit. Like, I'm done with the internship. I'm done with, you know, the church. I just want to go somewhere else. You know, try to escape, go to a place of comfort, try to escape the pain, you know, and so I, I remember laying in bed one night, and I was just so full of sorrow, so full of just pain and grief, and, and it literally felt like I was in a black pit. Like, that's the best way that I can describe it. I literally felt like I was in a deep, deep black pit. And I knew, like, I could sense the presence of God that was there. And I knew he did not want me to be there. And I knew that I had a decision to make, that if I decided to stay in that pit of depression, of despair, despondency, that my heart was going to close and I was going to stay in that place. And that thought absolutely terrified me. I was like, I do not want to stay here. I know God does not want me to be here. And so literally by faith, I stood up out of bed like I was literally taking a step out of the pit 
and I turned on some worship music, and I just began to worship God. I just began to engage his presence and just focus on who he is. That's worship. Worship is when you're just focusing on who God is, adoring him for who he is. You're not focused on your feelings, not focused on your circumstances, but you're focusing on him. And I just began worshiping him, you know, just reminding myself of who he is and who he is to me. I was just like, thank you, God, that you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you, God, that you are here with me, that you are my hope, that you are my strength. I just began to worship him and allow him to remind me of who I am to him and of who he is to me. And his comfort came. You know, one of the best ways that I like to explain the comfort of God it's like, uh, you know, on a very, very cold day, you know, when you put a nice warm jacket on or like a blanket, right? It doesn't change the circumstances, but it alleviates the pain. It alleviates the discomfort. So draw near to the Lord, you know, and I, in that place, you know, he comforted me and he strengthened me to walk through that season you know, he helped me, he empowered me, he, you know, I was able to forgive those who had hurt me and, and walk through and, and do what it is that he was calling me to do. And let me tell you, if I did not make the decision to move forward, I would not be here to this day. You know, who knows where I would be doing, who knows what, right? But thank God I chose to move forward. Thank God I chose to trust that he was greater than my disappointment, that he is faithful to lead me through, and he can do the same for you. Secondly, remind yourself of the truth in his word. Next, commune with him. Communing with God is just a you know, Christian way of saying, talk with him. Talk with him. You know, the Bible says, pour out your heart. God wants to hear what is actually going on in your heart. He wants you to talk to him. You know, especially for you men, it's easy to pacify disappointment. You know, you just kind of stuff it or you brush it off like it's not a big deal. What are you doing? You're causing unbelief and doubt to actually build up in your heart because you're not dealing with it when it comes. You need to deal with it when it comes rather than, I'm just going to be tough, right? I'm just going to be tough and it's going to be okay. I'm just going to be tough, you know, but actually you don't realize that you're closing your heart to God and making that decision. So you need to commune with him, talk to him about the disappointment, identify the disappointment, identify the area, you know, that you have been hurt and identify the area that people have hurt you and make the decision, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive the people that hurt me. I'm going to forgive myself, God. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to release the disappointment. I'm going to release the disappointment and then you posture your heart, posture your heart and expect God to speak to you and expect him to shift your perspective. And we see that that's exactly what happened with the disciples. As they're communing with him, as they're talking with him, you know, exchanging thoughts, exchanging words, fellowship, just eating dinner with him, just talking with him, being real, being transparent, being honest, being vulnerable. What happens? Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes are open. Their eyes are open and they realize, oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. He is risen. He is not dead. Hope is revived back in their hearts and they run back to Jerusalem. They run back to Jerusalem. When, you, when God speaks to you, he's going to speak to you. He's going to give you fresh perspective, divine perspective that causes hope to be revived back in your heart it may not be, you know, what you're thinking it needs to be. It may not be what you're expecting him to speak, but he's going to speak to you so that there can be that divine shift so that hope can be revived back in your heart so that your perspective can change so that you can believe again, so that you can hope again, so that you can expect again, so that you can do the very thing that he has created you to do. God has a great plan for you, my friends. Do not allow disappointment to cause you to close your heart and to shrink back. But make the decision, no, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward in faith, and I'm going to surround myself with other believers 
who can come alongside me, who can walk with me, who can speak the truth in love, who can be on mission with me, doing the very thing that I know God is calling me to do. Amen. Amen. Did you guys get something out of that? Awesome. Now I want you to do is I want you to just go ahead and stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now I just want you to engage with the presence of God. Just focus on him. Just begin to thank him. Adore him for who he is. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are greater than our disappointments. Thank you, God, that you are the God of all comfort, that you are the God who cares, that you are the God who loves us, that you are the God who sees us, that you are the God who hears us, that you are the God who has the power to speak just one word, just one word that has the power to shift our perspective, God, so that we can see again, so that we can believe again, so that we can be revived with strength, with hope, with joy, and with peace, so that we can move forward. Thank you, God. What I want you to do right now is I just want you to acknowledge, just allow the Holy Spirit to highlight an area of disappointment that may be in your life, an area of undealt with disappointment. You know, you don't have to think so hard, but just if there's something that, you know, the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your mind right now, that is the very thing that he wants you to draw near to him in. That is the very thing that he wants you to draw near to him in. And if you're ready, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to move forward in faith from this. I'm not going to let this cause me to shrink back. I'm not going to let this cause me to close my heart in doubt and unbelief. God, I'm going to make the decision that you are greater than my disappointment, that you have a divine perspective for me, that you're going to speak to me, God, so that hope can be revived back in my heart. And if you're here and you say, yes, I can identify an area of disappointment, of undealt with disappointment. I just want you to raise your hand for me. And if you're saying, yes, I want to make a decision to move forward from that disappointment, then I want you to pray with me. Pray after me. Say, God, I trust you. I trust that you are greater than my disappointment. God, I thank you that you know the plans that you have for me, that they are plans for good, not for evil, plans to give me a hope and a future. I trust you. And God, I make the decision to forgive those who disappointed me. God, I release that disappointment. And I ask that you would give me divine perspective, that you would speak to me again, that you would cause hope to be revived so that I can be strengthened to move forward in you, in your purpose, in your plans. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our house, please visit our website, fhus.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. See you next time.